helping you take control of your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. This is the KCLR Power Hour with Natalie Lennon. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. You are listening to the Power Hour with me, Natalie Lennon, here on KCLR. I'm with you until 7 p.m. chatting through all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and well-being with you. Tell me this. Have you been enjoying the Power Hour? I would love to know. We are on week 11, so do get in touch with us this evening on our dinnersready.ie text line 0833069696 with any questions, with any ideas, with how you have been finding the show. In case you're new to the Power Hour, it is all about giving you the tools to take control of your health inside and out. I want to give you the inspiration, the knowledge, and of course, the power to maximize the quality of your life. We want to make this well-being world a little bit less daunting. Now, each week we have discussed so many different topics and this week's topic is one that I honestly, I'm almost ashamed to say I didn't know enough about it until recently. So stay tuned to hear all. And don't forget, you can also reach out to me personally on Instagram, as some of you have been doing, at Natalie Lennon with a H underscore. Always happy to help if I can. Now, coming up on this week's show, we are diving into the topic of menopause and perimenopause, early menopause. For both the males and females, we all need to be educated on this. We are going to be answering the question of how to become a morning person. I will be talking to an expert health physiologist about her experience with early menopause, chatting to a dietitian about the dietary changes that can be put into place to help us through it. We will be hearing about a study from um, from whales. Scientists have been studying actual whales like the mammals to help us understand women a little bit better. And as always, we will be busting some myths, giving you our fitness funny story and leaving you with a cheer challenge. Don't go anywhere. We're going to a quick ad break first. Have you ever wondered how to get a perfectly manicured lawn without investing your own time? Well, the answer is simple. Husqvarna Automower. Cochrane Garden Equipment Kilkenny is having an Automower Roadshow on Thursday the 14th of April at 7.30pm at Butler House, Patrick Street, Kilkenny. All welcome. Thinking of selling in 2022? Let Green Door Properties handle the sale for you. With rental and management services also available, you'll find Elaine and Sabrina more than capable. To make your move stress-free, visit greendoorproperties.ie. The annual Easy Living Furniture Roadshow Sale is back for a limited time only and must end this Sunday with absolutely everything reduced across all sofas, dining, bedroom, mattresses and home accessories and 0% interest-free finance available with no deposit. This is one event not to be missed. The spectacular Roadshow Sale ends this Sunday. So head to Easy Living Furniture, Kilkenny Retail Park Kilkenny and Poppyfield Retail Park have something you want answered just let us know it's the power hour q a hello everybody and welcome back so this week on our q a someone asked me how do i become a morning person so let's dive into this i think first off know that it is okay not to be a morning person although it is said that the early bird catches the worm there are definitely some night owls out there that can have productive evenings and late nights some jobs and family situations just 
simply won't allow for early mornings. And that is okay. So what they actually call it is your chronotype. So different types of people based off their body clock. They're called different chronotypes. So you're either an early one or a late one. And I'm guessing this question might be stemming from someone who maybe wants to be a little bit more productive. So if your late mornings are not serving you and leading to poor productivity, well then, yes, you need to become a morning person. So here is how. So baby steps first off as with any changes that we want to make to our lifestyle you can't go from a 10 a.m rise to a 5 a.m rise overnight the bigger the move and the more time between them you'll have to be very very patient and set that goal going by say 10 minutes 15 minutes every single morning and definitely set that both sides so not just for waking but also for sleeping so there's no point in getting up earlier if you're going to throw yourself into a sleep deficit as a result so bring that clock back by let's say 15 minutes every five to six days that's how I would go about shifting yourself into becoming a greater morning person and that means that means 15 minutes in the morning also going to bed each night and then every five to six days change that and over the course of a few weeks you'll be going from a 10 a.m rise to a 6 a.m rise in no time now next what I would say you should definitely do is prioritize light exposure in the morning And no, I do not mean a screen. So stop waking up and rolling over to check your emails, to check the phone, to check your notifications and scrolling in 10 minutes before you get out of bed. Now listen, as always, I say this half saying it to myself because yes, I do this sometimes too, but the last two weeks I've really been making an effort to sleep with my phone outside. I set my alarm on my smartwatch. When I wake up in the morning, I go straight to the window, I open it, I stand there and I stare into the light and I soak up that daylight, natural light in the morning. If this isn't an option for you, there are actually special lamps that you can get to help. I think one of them is called a Lumi body clock. Um, And then when it comes to night, you need to start thinking about your screen exposure here as well, guys, your blue light exposure. Ideally, you want to start cutting this out from 90 minutes before bed. But how realistic is that? Not very. We all watch Netflix or TV before bed, I'm sure. So invest in blue light blocking glasses if that's the case. Again, an Irish brand that I wear every single night. I Spy and Iris is their name. They're brilliant. And then all of the usual tips come into play for a good night's sleep here, guys. So exercise daily. Get your little walk. Try to avoid caffeine in the evening. Try to avoid naps in the evening. Get outdoors as much as possible. And if you can, refrain from eating large meals before bed. All of that, if you can do it all. But again, start with those baby steps. You should be able to develop that morning routine and become more of a morning person in no time. And make sure you set yourself some activities for the morning that you really enjoy getting up to. Maybe it's that new fancy coffee machine you've been thinking of getting. Maybe it's tuning into your favorite Casey or breakfast show. Enjoy whatever it is that you are getting up for. Now, as I mentioned earlier on, this is going to be our perimenopause and menopause special. I really wanted to dive into this topic because as a 28-year-old female myself, I honestly, I've ignored this topic for far too long, guys. I really wasn't educated on it. And honestly, how could I be? Because we don't learn about it in school. And when we're young, we seem to think that that's going to be forever. But I know I'm still young. I'm starting to think a lot more these days about the fact that I am aging. You know, I'm coming into my 30s. And last week, 
I didn't know what exactly happens in the female body when we hit perimenopause. I didn't realize how many early menopause cases there are out there and the potential symptoms that come with it, the risks and how debilitating it can be. Now, it's not the case for everyone that it is debilitating, but I also hope that my male listeners to the Power Hour today find this chat educational. It's so important that the males try to understand hormone changes in women too, so that they can support their partners, support your friends, your sisters, your sisters, your mom, whoever it is, through what can be a really difficult time. So I got the chance earlier on to catch up with a very inspirational woman to find out more about the menopause, but also her very difficult journey, which she has been through in the last few years. Now, welcome back, everybody. You are listening to The Power Hour here and our menopause special. So I am joined on the line by expert health physiologist, certified health coach specialising in women and university lecturer coming to us all the way from Snowdonia in Wales but with roots here in Ireland being from Roscommon we have Dr. Jennifer Cooney on the line. Jennifer how are you today? Natalie I'm really well thank you so much. I am so thrilled to have you on the show especially this one Jennifer because your story is a powerful one so do you know what we're going to dive straight in first off before I ask you about your own journey which honestly left me speechless when I was reading about it can you begin by telling us what the perimenopause and menopause is? Yeah sure so I think a good way to sort of break this down is to look at sort of what happens to um, a woman during her lifetime and it can kind of be broken up into stages from a reproductive point of view. So really there are four stages. So stage one is pre-menopause and that really is when a woman sort of her fertile childbearing years has regular menstrual cycles and this is typically you know when women are in their mid or, or in their 20s and mid to late 30s. The time after that then we call perimenopause and that's actually the time leading up to menopause and that can actually be months, years or even more than a decade Um, and that depends on the individual person. But really in this time, um, typically a woman might experience perimenopausal symptoms in her 40s but it's not uncommon for women to experience some symptoms in their mid to late 30s as well. Um, And really, I think it's important to mention here, a woman can still have symptoms of perimenopause and actually still have regular menstrual cycles, um, but it could still be perimenopause if she's experiencing some symptoms. The time after that then, Natalie, is menopause. Now that's actually just one day in time. So menopause um, really is defined when is the day after you've not had a period or menstrual cycle in the previous 12 months. So the day after that would be classed as your menopause. So it's only one day in time. And the average age really um, in the UK and Ireland is 51 years. But the range is 45 to 55 years. So you can see for someone who's having a menopause, maybe at 45 or 46, they absolutely could be experiencing symptoms in their sort of mid to late 30s. it's, it really blows my mind, um, Dr. Jennifer, like I am 28 years of age and I wasn't educated on menopause, on perimenopause and it's something that I'm going to go through. It's something that a lot of women go through early and I honestly had no idea how much it can, I suppose, well how debilitating it can be in those years of perimenopause, what to look out for. Like researching for this this um, episode of The Power Hour, it just it really scared me a little bit. Would you agree that there's 
a serious lack of medical awareness and training around the topic of perimenopause. Absolutely. So, you know, you're not alone. I didn't know an awful lot about it either. And so so I wouldn't blame yourself for that, for that naivety. And really, it's because, you know, one, women don't tend to talk about these kind of things. You know, my mom never spoke about it, never heard my auntie speak about it. Um, And, you know, I'm in my mid 30s, you know, so it never even crossed my mind. But also, you know, you know, it's not it's not really a naivety on on a woman's behalf either Mm. because actually and what i found through my own research you know hindsight is a wonderful thing but actually um many gps and medical professionals don't actually receive formal training on menopause as part of their medical degrees yeah so a, a medical doctor who has a background might have chosen selected modules on menopause but it's not part of the curriculum in all universities, which is really staggering considering it affects. It's so frightening. And it's half the population. Yeah. So I suppose it's fair to say it's not on, we can't be giving out about, you know, the professional or the GP for not knowing because it's just not a part of their um, education to be trained in on it. So what I did want to say was, going back to where you said, you know, as women, we just don't talk about it that much. I hugely agree it's like there is this kind of shame around it that we're not supposed to speak about it out loud we should lower our voices when we're talking about you know our periods or the menopause or the symptoms or speaking about it with men it should be far more of an open conversation because it is a natural process that's inevitable for us all men should be comfortable talking about this too it's not something that needs to be discussed in private so this is my next question for you um is around your own journey. Briefly, can you describe, I suppose, what happened to you over the last few years and your own diagnosis? Yeah, sure. So I'm I'm 36 next month, but two years ago, um, I had a migraine with Aura. You know, many women suffer migraines, but this was the second time it happened to me. And I had sort of ocular symptoms as well, um, sort of the blurry vision. So I mentioned it to my GP because I, at the time I was taking the combined oral contraceptive pill, yeah. which, you know, many women take as well. Uh, and I knew um, that you shouldn't be taking the combined oral contraceptive pill if you have migraine with aura because it increases your, your blood clot risk and your stroke risk. So I thought, you know, I'm going to be safe. I'm going to mention it to the GP. And, you know, she rightly took me off the combined pill. Yeah. Do you know, Dr. But Jennifer, I, I never even knew that much that if you're experiencing migraine with aura, you shouldn't be on the combi- combined contraceptive pill because I was experiencing migraine with aura years ago when I was on it. Um, so that is just a, a nice um, point to, I suppose, repeat once more for our listeners in case they didn't know that as well sorry continue absolutely Absolutely. no it's a contraindication so if it is happening you know have that conversation with your gp so the gp did the right thing then and you know i was well i was 34 at the time but i was not prepared what was going to happen to me for the days the weeks and the months after that basically i could i call it a hormonal cliff which i fell off and i went from you know running several times a week cycling mountain biking and that August of 2020, I couldn't get off the sofa. I had severe headaches, and I mean all day, every day. Dizziness, head pressure, I started to ache all over. I felt horrendous. And I went back to the GP and I said, you know, is this normal? You know, what's actually going on? And they were like, oh, we've never, you know, experienced this, have someone having a reaction like that before. You know, give your body time, it'll probably settle down and you'll adjust. So I spent like two and a half weeks of my annual leave on the sofa, literally lying down, watching Netflix, trying to distract myself. And I wasn't getting any better. So I 
went back to the GP. They did a load of sort of blood tests because headaches like that were not normal for me. Like I had a brain MRI scan and all of that and everything came back normal. You know, so they referred me to neurology because a lot of my symptoms, like I said, were headaches and dizziness. So they were neurological type symptoms. And I saw a consultant neurologist and he diagnosed chronic migraine. And that was kind of it. And I said, could surely this has to be hormone related? Yeah. You know, I was told I was talking to the wrong person. But Um, what's amazing is, you know, you're an expert health physiologist. So you knew to fight that and to go back and say, that's not enough of a diagnosis for me. There's something more going on here. Um, And thank God you did, because that's what led to your diagnosis of of perimenopause. Um, But had you not have been the expert that you are, you would have stopped at that. Yeah, yeah. I dread exactly what would have happened if I'd have accepted that diagnosis, but I just wasn't I wasn't willing to accept that this was now my yes. quality of life when only a couple of months beforehand I well, I thought I was completely fine. You know, so yes, I'm a health physiologist and I do a lot of health research, so I knew I just needed to keep yes. digging and keep digging. And I and it wasn't easy, but especially when you're not feeling well. And it took me months to be fair, and then I came across um a doctor who you may or may not have heard of. Dr. Louise Newson, she's actually done um, a documentary with Davina McCall and it was aired on um, television Brilliant. actually in 2021. Okay. okay. And um, Dr. Louise Newson herself is a menopause specialist and it was through her that I read all of her material and I pretty much thought, you know what, what I'm experiencing sounds very much to me like symptoms related to menopause. And she has a really large uh, menopause specialist clinic in the UK. And I actually put myself on the waiting list for that because I thought, you know what, these are the only people who are going to be able to help me get out of the situation that I was in. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for sharing your story, first of all, because it's it's not an easy one to tell, although... um, now you're kind of coming out the other side you know 2022 the symptoms that you were feeling at the beginning Jennifer have they subsided somewhat now absolutely so I am probably on a good day 85% back to my normal self so I was diagnosed um, and this might be of interest to your listeners with premature ovarian um, insufficiency which is actually a menopause early menopause but one that happens before the age of 40 and it's not that common but it happens to one in a hundred women so one in a hundred women would have an early menopause be before the age of forty. Yeah, and it's not one a in small a statistic before the age of thirty. Wow, it it really isn't that small of a statistic. Like one in one hundred is is a lot in a thousand people. Um, so my next question for you, just to I suppose help the listeners understand perimenopause and menopause a little bit more. What exactly happens to our hormone levels? Is it easy to see these changes on a blood test, for example? So that's a really good question. And I guess if we if we have a look at what actually happens to our own biology and our own physiology. So every, every woman has a finite number of eggs um, in our ovaries and those eggs are associated with our hormone levels. And we've all heard of estrogen, progesterone and testosterone. So yes. they're the sort of key three key female hormones. Mm-hmm. And as the number of eggs reduce, um, we produce less hormone. Um, and it's this decline in particularly our estrogen and testosterone uh, and the fluctuations of these hormones that can actually lead to our symptoms. Okay. So in terms of can it actually be picked up on a blood test? Well, for women who are 45 and older, then a blood test is not really necessary. You know, if she's otherwise healthy and well and she has many of the symptoms related to perimenopause and menopause, then you can be pretty sure that it is perimenopause. 
Um, for me, because I was under the age of 45, then a blood test can be helpful. Okay. But the problem with blood tests is it's only a snapshot at one time point. Yes, exactly. And perimenopause can, you know, because of the hormones can fluctuate, you know, throughout one day, from one day to the next, from one week to the next. It's not that reliable, but doctors will generally do those blood tests. Now, for me, my blood tests were always within range. So my estrogen always came back within range. And it wasn't until three months after that I thought, you know what, I haven't actually seen what the numbers were. And to be honest, it was one of the things that I really regretted. And I actually asked for a printout of my blood test. And we're always within right to ask for that printout. Absolutely. You absolutely can have that printout. And that's one piece of advice I would give to everyone. Get that printout. Have a look at the numbers. Yes, it might be within range, but for me, my my levels were always consistently low. But but still within range, and that's what's frightening. I do think it's really important that everyone tries to educate themselves on what is sufficient hormone levels of estrogen, estrogen and progesterone, and um, what is considered low, and to ask for the printout of your bloods. I really can't emphasize that enough also. Dr. Jennifer, we're getting towards the end of time really quickly here today, so I'm going to jump straight to asking you, You're all about menopause impairment. Have you any tips as to how we can approach these changes in our bodies with confidence rather than upset? Absolutely. I think, and you've already said this, Natalie, learn about your own body, you know, find out the information as to what's going on and what might happen through this natural process of um, perimenopause and menopause, because Mm -hmm. it's going to happen to all of us. Um, And if you start to sort, and if if you know what the symptoms are, you know, you can sort of notice some small changes in yourself that might happen over time. Yes. Um, And it's really not something that needs to be sort of suffered and endured. You know, there's so much information out there now. You know, once you know where it is, you know, it's like pretty obvious. But there's so much information out there. So you don't have to do it alone. You know, there's a whole community of women and the support is there. So don't forget to have those conversations with your with your 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 family doctor um if you don't get support there don't be afraid to ask if there's someone who has a special interest in women's health but i think also is really important is to have those conversations with your your, your mom your aunt your sister Absolutely. your friends yeah because that's the way we're going to raise awareness right is if we have those conversations. exactly dr jennifer so basically what we're saying is education is empowerment and make sure you have your support group around you I'm go- I really could talk about this with you for hours but I'm going to have to wrap it up here so if any of our listeners want to get in touch with you Dr Jennifer Cooney for your services with any more questions where can they do so the best place to go is to my Instagram account so at Dr Jen coaching is my Instagram handle and I've actually got a free to sign up private Facebook group specifically for women and women's health and sort of looking at um, various aspects of health and well-being great what's that Facebook name join the Facebook group it's free to join and I'd love to see you all in there brilliant if they want to find the Facebook group what should they search Dr Jen Cooney so go to my Instagram handle, Dr. Jen Coaching, and the link to the Facebook group is in my bio. There. Brilliant, brilliant. Dr. Jennifer Cooney, thank you so much for sharing your story and educating us more on perimenopause and menopause. We will talk to you very soon. Thank you so much, Natalie. Take care. Bye bye. You're listening to the KCLR Power Hour with Natalie Lennon.
Now, welcome back, everybody. So after speaking to Dr. Jennifer about the many symptoms of the inevitable perimenopause and menopause on the line, I have a registered dietitian and certified health behavior and mindset coach. She also specializes in gut health and hormones, and she's here to answer some more health and dietary questions around the topic of menopause. Dietitian Geraldine Sexton is on the line. Hi, Geraldine. How are you doing today? I'm great, Natalie. How are you? I'm great. I'm thrilled to have you on here after spotting your Instagram. You were the perfect woman to speak about this topic. So I'm going to dive straight into it, if that's okay with you. Yeah, that's perfect. Work away. So we didn't really discuss with Dr. Jennifer, what are the main health concerns with the menopause? Would you mind explaining to us firstly what they are? Yeah, so when we lose that kind of protective effect for hormones, so mainly our estrogen, we become at increased risk of developing a number of chronic diseases. So things like heart disease, osteoporosis, and we actually, we're four times more likely to develop osteoporosis as men would of the same age or phase of life. Um, We also are at higher risk of developing metabolic syndrome, which is a group of health conditions, including high blood pressure, excess abdominal fat, and abnormal lipid profile. And that basically just means that we would have high total and LDL cholesterol, which would be our bad cholesterol, we would have higher levels of triglycerides which is another type of fat in our blood and then we would have low HDL or good cholesterol as well now all of these things combined they would increase our risk of heart disease type 2 diabetes and stroke and then we also have um, as women we're so lucky and we also (laughs) increase risk of cognitive decline and psychiatric symptoms and I know that all sounds doom and gloom but um, these risks can be completely modified by dietary and lifestyle interventions and that's what we're going to talk about today yeah don't worry I know that's a very depressing start but that's it but you know what this is all about raising awareness around the topic and we need to educate women as to what it is we are at risk to so that we can take the precautions to minimize the likelihood of osteoporosis like you said cardiovascular disease um, the higher levels of bad cholesterol, fatty acids in the blood, fatty molecules. I think I'm uh, summarizing everything you just said there. Yeah. So you mentioned <laughs> yeah. to me earlier when we were chatting off air, Geraldine, that you have a system for your clients that you work through, which I thought was really great. It was just very simple and it breaks it down to like a really understandable level. Would you mind sharing that again? Of course. So my reset system. Um, reset based system. Five pillars, which, yeah, <laughs> which... Um, so based on five pillars, which science shows time and time again, it will really help to optimize our hormone health throughout our life cycle from puberty onwards. So if you aren't necessarily in perimenopause or menopause, maybe in your 20s or your 30s, you know, working on these things will really, really stand to you. So with the reset, the R stands for reducing inflammation. So that's one of the most important things that you can do to re- reduce your risk of all of those chronic diseases that I just mentioned. Yeah. The E then stands for balancing hormones because the E stands for endocrine system, which is our entire hormone system. Brilliant. Um, the S then is all about sleep and stress management. The next E is eating to support our gut and our liver health. Um, a lot of people don't realize that our gut plays a really, really important role in regulating our estrogen levels through a thing called the estrobolome. And then we have our liver who works alongside our gut, um, which is really important for our detoxification. So that's, again, helping to control our estrogen levels so that, again, we're not kind of getting those symptoms of estrogen dominance. Yeah. And then finally, I have the T, and that's all about training your body and your mind. And when I say mind, it's not all about meditation, mindfulness. 
that definitely are included in it. But it's more kind of around the health behaviour changes. So, you know, knowledge doesn't necessarily mean we're going to apply things that we're told to do. Um, you know, these things are quite difficult to do. So when we talk about mindset, we're talking about things like all or nothing thinking, yes. um, black and white thinking, kind of that self-sabotaging behaviour, that, that type of thing. So that's, I love that. that's the entire reset system. So your reset system, do you know what, Geraldine, I think you could apply that to both males and females, everyone. It's just a fantastic system to live by. So or reducing inflammation, E, looking after your endocrine system, so your hormones. S, for sleep and stress management. E, for eating to support the gut and liver. And T, training body and mind. So let's dive into that first step in your reset system to help women in particular through perimenopause and menopause. How can we eat to reduce inflammation in the body? Okay, so this is actually really, really simple to do. Um, There is a lot of talk on social media saying that women going through perimenopause or who are in in menopause, that really we should we should be eliminating dairy and eliminating gluten or we should be following something really complicated like a ketogenic diet yeah. and for some this might be beneficial but really for the majority of us we don't need to be restricting foods we want to be including more of the foods that would you know you would typically see in the traditional mediterranean diet because yeah. really for the majority of us you know this is the way of eating the mediterranean way of eating it's pretty much the perfect diet and i know that's a really really big claim to make um but we really do have hundreds, if not thousands of papers, really kind of good quality papers published in prestigious journals that have shown that the, sorry, hard to pronounce, the traditional Mediterranean <laughs> diet. Um, and that's what I mean by that when I say traditional. I mean the diet that people in the Mediterranean followed prior to the 1950s, so the kind of very old-style Mediterranean diet. So basically that gives us everything we need to maximise our health, reduce our inflammation, balance our hormones, and keep our weight at our best way. So it's really simple. We just need to follow the principles. Um just briefly, so we'll talk you through it. Those principles, um, yeah. So what exactly are they? Even just covering them briefly, just to give our listeners an idea. Yeah, so basically, um, this diet is predominantly made up of plant foods. So it's lots of fruits and vegetables, especially your green leafy vegetables. It's all about eating lots of nuts and seeds, your beans, your peas and your lentils. It includes lots of whole grain foods, extra virgin olive oil, your fish, including your fatty fish, so that would be your sardines, your yeah. mackerel, your trout and your salmon, which would be very big in Ireland. Um, the traditional Mediterranean diet doesn't really, they don't really eat much sugar. Most of their sweets and the desserts were based around fruit and honey. And they've only ever really eaten in very small amounts at weekends or at special occasions. Alcohol is part of this diet for sure. Um, but the difference is that it's usually consumed with food and in small amounts spread over the week rather than kind of the way we would typically drink mm-hmm. it, which is all at once at weekends on yeah. their food. Um, dairy and meat are included in the diet, but typically in smaller amounts than what we would typically eat here in Ireland. Um, when it comes to dairy, the traditional Mediterranean diet would mainly include local cheeses and yogurt. Um, they didn't really drink lots of milk, they didn't eat any processed cheeses. Um, and things like osteoporosis, you know, those things weren't a problem for the people in the, you know, the traditional Mediterranean people because, you know, they were getting lots of calcium from other dietary sources and they were outside getting lots of sun, so they had no issues with vitamin D deficiency. Mm. Um, so again, it's a very, very simple diet. Um, all you need to do is pop into your local library and there's lots and lots of recipe books giving you lots of really good ideas on how you can start I suppose, introducing yeah. these foods into your diet at home. It, it can um, sound overwhelming to begin with, but really once you dive into starting to make these little changes, you kind of wonder how they weren't ever part of your diet to start with. Just like including more plant-based foods, your beans, your nuts, seeds, lentils, even just taking that much for our listeners this week to try and bring it into into their daily diet, I think would be a great first step. Um, I'm going to jump on to the next step in your, your reset system, and that was looking after your sleep and stress and trying to manage that. So 
how can our dietary habits, I suppose, help to prevent insomnia, which can be a big struggle for women in um, going through perimenopause? Yes, that's a great question because mostly when we kind of think of sleep and insomnia, we really focus on things like the early morning light exposure, minimizing exposure to blue lights in the evening, you know, supplementation and the bedtime rituals. But we now know from the research that people who have diets that will be quite low in fiber, that their diets are really high in saturated fat and sugar, they tend to have lighter, less restorative and more disturbed sleep. So again, it's the same message. It's following a diet that is high and rich in plant foods. So again, your fruits, your vegetables, your nuts, your seeds your legumes, which are your beans, peas, lentils and whole grains. And that's what you're going to notice on every, you know, every part of my reset system. You're hearing the same message again. It's just kind of presented in a a different way and to another health benefit. And then someone will say, do you know what? Sleep is really important to me. Stress is really important to me whatever it might be. And and that might be the bigger motivation for you to actually to make these changes. Um, Now, the one thing I do want to point out is, you know, we're saying that uh, to support your sleep, you want to be reducing your intake of saturated fat, but we're talking specifically about reducing saturated fat. We're not saying that you need to go on a low fat diet because especially for the perimenopausal woman, we want fat, we want the plant fat because you know it's extremely important for our hormone production, of course. it's extremely important for satiety and our blood sugar control as well. Yeah. And the food sources that you're going to get those fats from, they're going to contain lots of antioxidants and plant compounds that are known as polyphenols, which, you know, they are going to help reduce that inflammation, but they're independently going to protect us from the chronic diseases I mentioned at the start. So it's really important because a lot of people are under the illusion that we should be following low-fat diets, but we don't. Yes, it's low-fat, saturated fat diets. Exactly. I actually spoke about this just recently on the Power Hour, and I think any of our weekly listeners are probably starting to hear some points being repeated again and again, which is good because we are trying to simplify health and improving our lifestyle and I think we're just really starting to hammer that point home it's not about a low fat diet healthy fats are so important but we do need to watch just that amount of saturated fat Um, eating to support um, our liver health that was another important point that you mentioned what recommendations would you have here is it the same again yeah, pretty much. Um, like our liver is probably one of the hardest working organs in our body. Um, for example, it's one of our detox organs, so yeah. it's going to protect our body from waste and toxins. And when we're thinking specifically about, again, perimenopause and menopause, our liver is responsible for our hormone production and also our hormone detoxification. So we really want to make sure that we are looking after it. And when I say that, I don't mean that we need to go out and buy expensive detoxes because really they're just a fad, you know. Um, yeah. We need just to stop for a moment and we need to think about our diet, our lifestyle and also the products that we use within our homes and within our bodies, on our bodies and within our bodies, on our bodies, I suppose. Yeah, like so deodorants then, um, and hairsprays and all of that. Yeah, so yeah. just to give you some actionable tips um, and I suppose to give you something different to what I've just said. So one of the first things I would recommend is to take steps to reduce your intake of kind of processed foods and refined sugars. So your refined sugars are things like your high processed things, like your white bread, your white rice, your white cereals, and then your kind of processed sugary foods and drinks. And that's because they contain ingredients and compounds that really can congest and stress the liver out. Mm -hmm. So again, instead of that, you want to go for minimally processed whole foods instead. And, and as you said, like a lot of this can sound very overwhelming. And what I would say to people is, look, when you hear information like this and you're alone, a lot of information is thrown at you, make a list, pick out one or two things and work on that alone. I and then that. when that becomes part of your normal habits, your normal routine, 
go to the next two or three things in this and yeah, start working because together and gradually over time. It does. It takes a long time to build a habit. And I think the reason why people fail at improving their health or their diet or their lifestyle is because they try and change everything overnight. They hear one episode of the Power Hour and they think that is everything I need to do tonight, but they just need to break it down into baby steps. So if that's just one change, like swapping your white bread for a whole grain bread or a wholemeal bread or swapping your white flour for one that is wholemeal, that is one step that is going to benefit you we are flying through our um our chat and our interview here i can't believe the time that we are at already geraldine so i'm going to jump to asking you one question that is probably on every woman's mind weight gain is a common symptom of perimenopause so just really quickly can you tell us is this going to be avoidable in any way absolutely it is i suppose one thing i always have to say to people is we are all individuals, so it's never going to be one size fits all. But for the majority of us, if we address all these issues, if we're working to make sure that we're getting good quality sleep every night, if we're managing our stress, if we are you know, eating to support our gut health, because our gut health is so important for our overall yeah. health, including our weight, our same in our liver. You know, If we're doing all these steps, if we're exercising regularly, if we're minimizing our sedentary time, so it's not all about you know exercise, it's also getting up and making sure that you're not sitting down for long periods of time, that you're moving your body in some shape or form, every single hour but stress is the key because one thing that happens in this you know for women going through perimenopause if we are chronically stressed we go on to develop a thing called insulin resistance and if we are insulin resistant you know it makes it nearly impossible for us to address any symptoms that we're experiencing in perimenopause and menopause yeah so stress Um, is going to be stress is going to be that main um i suppose trait that you want to look out for and keeping lower to minimize the chances of insulin resistance yeah, so basically the whole message of eat less, move more is not, it's not, it's not that simple. There's a lot more to it. So it's, it's exactly, think of what I said to the reset system. If you address all those things, then you have, you know, made, you, you've modified your risks to yeah. weight gain and all these other things. So it is absolutely possible. Pretty but unfortunately, much. it's never one size fits all. I mean, you could do the exact same thing and have two very different shapes at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that's a great point to finish up on, Geraldine. Again, as always, when it comes to the topics here on the Power Hour, we could talk for hours, but we have to try and wrap it up there soon. But if anyone has more questions for you or they want to find out about your services, where can they do so? Yes, so my website's under construction at the minute. So on Instagram, I am um, a dietitian for women's health. And that's number four um, or on Facebook I'm Geraldine Sexton Dietitian for Women's Health so feel free to send me a DM with any questions that you might have and I can see what I can do to help you out Brilliant Geraldine Sexton thank you so much for coming on the show today we really appreciate it and hopefully we'll talk to you very soon Thanks very much take care Take care Clearing up those misconceptions the Power Hour One Minute Myth Bust Now, welcome back, everybody. So our myth that we are busting this week. Now, we've given female hormones a lot of attention. So is there truth to the term male menopause? Have you heard it being said? I have. Well, the term male menopause has been used to describe decreasing testosterone levels related to aging. But aging-related hormone changes in women are very different to that in men. And it is nothing like the menopause whatsoever so that term needs to be scrapped it's a total myth and did you know though a man's testosterone levels decline on average about one percent a year after the age of 40 but most older men still have testosterone levels within normal range with only an estimated 10 percent to 25 percent having levels considered to be low so there you go that is your myth for today now i did say at the beginning of the show we had a study that was done on whales recently that i want to talk about so surprisingly 
scientists began to learn that humans, females, are not alone in the mystery that is menopause. A small amount of sea-going mammals also go through it. Scientists have discovered that killer whales, narwhals and beluga whales all experience the menopause as well. Evolution really boggles my mind, guys. Although I studied in college for a long time because my degree is earth science, scientists just seem to think that it may have developed as a result of trying to prevent competition for limited food resources. Um, so really, the menopause is still a bit of a mystery as to why we go through it. But I do hope you all really enjoyed this episode where we dived deep into it. I hope you all were educated. And Camille, as per usual, we wrap up the show with a cheer challenge. Last week, I asked you to dance. This week, I'm asking you to get morning light before you look at those screens. When you wake up in the morning, stand outside or go to your balcony or open the window or like I had to do during the week, Go and let out the chickens for the family. Just soak up that morning light for two to three minutes. Okay, guys, I will talk to you very soon. Take care. Bye-bye.